0: Your parents are arguing in the background. You try to focus and not listen, because of course, you should never listen to grown folks' business. You hear your mom say, I'm calling the police. She's talking to your dad. Dread courses through your veins. You run over to her, begging her not to call the police. You cry and wail. You never call the police. You never trust the police. You never interact with the police. This fear-mongering technique is passed down by black parents to their black children and It's one of the many ways that we're taught as black children to learn about the police at a very, very, very young age. Today, we're gonna be talking about policing. Yeah, so buckle up. I read an article titled, How the U.S. Got Its Police Force From Time, a news publication that leans left politically. This article really like talked about the foundation of the police specific to the United States. Uh, the author, her name is Olivia B. Waxman. She has done a variety of work in the field of history. Um, she has some other popular articles dealing with the Holocaust, gun violence, um, and even like important presidential news. And I figured I would include this kind of information so that you can get a better understanding of the content that I am consuming and why I'm consuming it. And you can be critical of this um, because I encourage everyone to be critical of the media that they're consuming, of course, because, well, bias exists um, and it's important to recognize that. In the article, she states that, quote, the first publicly funded organized police force with officers on duty full time was created in Boston in 1838. And I did a little bit of research and this is kind of like a consistent finding amongst like historians, right? And so she goes on to say, uh, quote, these merchants came up with a way to save money by transferring the cost of maintaining a police force to citizens by arguing that it was for the, quote, collective good, end quote. She goes on to describe that in the South, police were created as a means to enforce slavery systems Um, and this goes back to like 1700s specifically in carolina where slave patrols were tasked with hunting down runaway slaves and preventing slave revolts this really did enforce segregation and the disenfranchisement of freed slaves I found another article by NPR. They also lean left politically. And they had a podcast with Shandirai Kumankia. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. I probably am not. And... He alludes to the early foundations of police in an episode called The History of Police Creating Social Order in the United States. He adds to Waxman's idea that by explaining how the police maintained a like social hierarchical system um, in the past, it meant different things depending upon where you were. Of course, in the South, that meant slave control. In the North, it meant labor control or rather any inconvenient population. Then of course, There was the Jim Crow era of discrimination, which targeted black people specifically and tried to prevent them from many avenues of society, to be quite frank. And this is including, but not limited to, you know, interracial marriage, interracial relationships like consultation like i am pretty sure i read that it was even like a crime to like meet with someone of the opposite uh race i mean not to say that race is a dichotomy but of course it meant white and black in that context Segregation was huge. I mean it came into busing and education, housing restaurants like in many, many more. and this is all over throughout the South and states that we traditionally think of where they had huge influential movements um, during the civil rights time. And so I deducted that law enforcement has taken on multiple forms throughout history one pattern being evident to enforce some kind of social order within an existing control system towards a subpopulation this leads me to start asking some critical questions right about the police as an institution and like looking at their historical like quote value of the police and what their kind of like intentions were what's the intention behind the law Is it to, quote, protect the public good, end quote? And who or what decides what the, quote, public, end quote, good is and what the good is? I mean, most people don't sit down in their free time and start to think about these kinds of questions and these aspects of policing, right? You know, if police are instructed to serve and protect, who are they serving? Who are they protecting? And why. I do and have and will continue to be critical of this subject matter in particular. Do you want to know why? If any of you have been paying attention to the news, you'd know that about a couple of weeks ago, there were five police officers who brutally beat 29-year-old Tyree Nichols to death in Memphis, Tennessee. In today's world, police brutality is a term that is like we've all heard. I won't speak for all, but I will speak for myself. You want to ask, why are people running to the streets and protesting this institution that's supposed to be serving and protecting us, right? Why are we inherently against something like this, an institution like this? Well, it's because of the freaking past and everything that has happened and the things that we continue to see and the normalization of police brutality in the media, right? I'm tired. I'm really tired of a lot of things. I'm tired of the nothingness that people display when another black person is murdered by the police. I'm tired of the racial biases that undermine the entire police system as a whole i'm tired of the racist history that is tied to the police and the enforcement of slavery and segregation and the continued discrimination of minority people i'm tired of the people who continually defend the police stating that we need to keep pumping funds into them that we need to fund the police when it's ironic considering police insurance companies have raised rates by 200 to 400 percent due to huge payouts they've made to black families in various lawsuits most notable being the 27 million dollar settlement in the George Floyd case and the 12 million dollar settlement for Breonna Taylor's case so how exactly are we able to defund the police when cities have to keep on paying for police brutality as a fact police have received even more money for things like training and an example of this funding being you know these elite police squads like the scorpion unit that brutally murdered tyree not to mention the large investments uh, you know across the country into investing funding for police near minority areas like cop city we should not be normalizing these brutal police acts, but at the same time, the coverage in the adjuprop that points out how these acts, quote, rarely happen when they were obviously bound to happen because of this pro-police and pro-white culture invested in by the state. Now, I know this is going to ruffle feathers. I know this isn't what you want to hear from me. You don't want to say you don't want to say shy. You know, the police, police are good. It's only certain bad apples. No, 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 I'm tired of the discrimination towards black people. I'm tired of the, quote, woke activism, end quote, that ultimately leads to nothing. I am tired because the police have a monopoly of violence and it upholds this divisive, racist and brutally violent system. And here go the bigots, quote, aren't there more white people that die by police than black people? Quote, well, you know, black people commit 50% of the crime when they're only 14% of the population. This, my friends, these two comments are what we call dog whistles, right? You might be like, oh, what's a dog whistle? I thought that's used for training dogs and it's something that only dogs can hear. That's exactly right this kind of fallacy is used to kind of trigger some kind of um response from a particular group of people. And so the definition of a dog whistle is the use of coded or suggestive language in a political message to garner support from a particular group without provoking opposition. People who say this don't really fully understand nor comprehend the totality of the context of police. You could reverse these statistics and ask, well, why is the minority group in the United States committing 50% of the crimes? Is it because they are, quote, more violent than white people? And how are you even measuring violence, right? Is it just the amount of crimes committed? Because in this case, it's obvious why, you know, this statistic is so prevalent. Well, yeah, of course, minorities are, quote, committing 50% of the crimes and quotes because they are being over You get more crimes when you are surrounded by more people within that group. When you have police task force who are tasked with literally policing minority areas with a young adolescent black males, then yeah, the statistics and the data are going to reflect a number that's misleading and lead people to believe that they, you know, black people are committing more crime even though they're minority. It's not that, it's not that black and white. These are just overgeneralizations based off the data that's faulty, not necessarily faulty, but not necessarily shows the entire picture relating to policing. This 50% number also doesn't reflect the number of black people who were falsely charged with a crime and then released, which has upper limits of like 90%. That's why we need to be careful when observing and believing the data when it's not necessarily reflective of the entire system as a whole. There's a lot that I said in here. Um, and obviously, this topic in particular gets my gears going because I, I watched... The, the the video footage of um, Tyree Nichols' murder. And it was very hard. It's very hard to watch these things and listen to the screams and the cries and to know that he was calling for his mom because he was close to his home and he was running away in the hopes of trying to save his life. I think that when when this violence is just put on display and it's become something that we just kind of watch and we're like, "Oh, this is really bad," and then like we just kind of move on. Why are we accepting this kind of behavior from any kind of police? Why are police able to put on a badge and then have a gun and then have the right in this kind of impunitive immunity to go out, act upon their biases, act upon their insufficient training, and then they kill black people? And we're supposed to be okay with this i'm not i'm not ever going to be okay with this because as i said in my intersectionality episode i am black and my life is worth living and so is every black person's we shouldn't have to fear the police because of the color of our skin and that's the sad reality is that many black people do fear the police because of the color of their skin because they know there's a chance that they could die or be harassed by the police and they're not going to be believed and That deeply upsets me because what kind of precedent is this laying for our future Black children and for our future minority children? What kind of life and morals and values are we promoting when we constantly defend the police even when they show us time and time again that they do not care about minorities and specifically they don't care about Black lives? I'm going to end this by saying people draw their own conclusions when it comes to the police. At the end of the day, you get to turn the TV off. You don't have to listen to the news. We can normalize these things in the United States, but I ask you, my beautiful listeners, is this enough? So that's all I have. Thank you for listening. Stay awesome.